welcome to our service those of you watching online and all those of you here in our sanctuary we are so glad to have you with us today this is the special weekend when we celebrate memorial day a time when we honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice in the service of our country and we should always be so grateful for those who gave their lives in uh, the service of our nation so we could enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy we are beginning a new series that we're calling benediction and we're studying those passages in the bible like the one you just heard read from uh, numbers chapter six uh, in which god blesses his people benedictions often include the word may or the word may is understood may god bless you and keep you uh, may grace and peace be multiplied to you and i think there are two uh things that we can gain from study of the benedictions in Scripture. Number one, they help us better understand God's will for our lives, what God wants to do in each of our lives. And then secondly, they can guide us in praying for and actually blessing others. And I hope by the end of our short study, you will have become more comfortable in using the benedictions of Scripture to actually pray blessing upon, speak blessing upon others in accord with biblical examples. Now, we're going to look at the kind of the classic benediction in Scripture. Uh, you'll see it on the screen. It comes from Numbers chapter 6. It was read for us in the video uh, that you saw just a moment ago. You see it on the screen behind me. Notice carefully the words. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son, saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. Note, first of all, these words come from the Lord. These are words that God's giving to Moses to give to Aaron to speak over his people. Why is God doing this? Why does God want these words pronounced over his people? I think this tells us something about what God wants his people to know about him what he wants his people to understand about him, about his goodness, his care for them, his grace, his love for them, and what he wants to do in their lives. So the Lord is behind these words, the Lord himself. Now, the Lord gives the words to Moses, who in turn is to give them to Aaron and his sons. And that is because Aaron and his sons were the priests. The priests were those who represented the people before God. They offered sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people. And uh, they served God's people in that way. Notice carefully now the structure of this benediction, this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And you notice three times we have the, the, uh, the words, the Lord, this is God's name, this is God's title given to his people. The Lord is the subject of the sentences. The Lord is the one who does the blessing. And each time the Lord is followed by two verbs, the second one in each line kind of expanding on the first. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Beautiful example of the kind of uh, poetic wording we often find in the Hebrew language 
of the Old Testament. And then this remarkable statement. God says this, so shall they put my name on the people of Israel. Put God's name upon the people. Putting the name of the Lord on the people by speaking this blessing over them. Now, one of the first things we'll see as we study biblical blessings is that the Lord is the source of all blessing, all biblical blessing. And behind biblical blessing is understood to be the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord. This is so significant in biblical benedictions, I'd like to take a few minutes and focus on the importance of God's name. In Exodus chapter 3, well before our passage in Numbers chapter 6, um, Moses is having a conversation with God. And Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, because Moses was going to go to Pharaoh and, and call for the Israelites to be released from their slavery in Egypt. And they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? In other words, what's your name, God? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God's name is a form of the Hebrew verb to be, and it would look like this in Hebrew lettering. Um, you'll see on the screen. And would be pronounced, close pronunciation at least, would be Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. -H, Yahweh, and sometimes spoken as Jehovah. The meaning is simply uh, the Lord. God's name. Now, when you read your Old Testaments, uh, you will often see the word LORD in all capital letters. If you've got an ESV version like I do throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew word LORD is rendered in all caps. Yahweh, Jehovah, the LORD, and His name becomes highly, highly, highly significant because God's name represents who He is. Therefore, in the first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 and verse 7, we see these words. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now that commandment is right up there with, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, you shall not commit adultery. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Regard the Lord's name as holy, as Jesus would later teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is always to be regarded as holy. It's to be reverenced. It is to be honored. Why is that? Because God's name represents who he is. Throughout the Old Testament, we see references to God's name everywhere, just a sampling from uh, two or three other places. When David, uh, the young David, the shepherd boy, was facing the Philistine giant Goliath on behalf of the armies of Israel, David says to Goliath the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you how? David had a small weapon a sling and some stones. He doesn't even mention it. He says, I come to you in the name, 
the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I stand before you, Goliath, in that great name, because the Lord stands behind his name. That's why David would later write these words in Psalm 20 and verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in what? The name of the Lord our God, because his name represents who he is. The Lord himself stands behind his name. In Proverbs 18 and verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see the word Lord in all caps throughout. What about the New Testament? Interestingly, at the very beginning of the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew, we read these words being spoken about the baby to be born from the Virgin Mary. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation or the Lord is salvation. This is the name of Jesus. For, the, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, the name, the name of Jesus is representative who, of who he is. He is the Lord, Yahweh, who will save his people from their sins. That's why there's such significance in Jesus' name throughout the New Testament. So that John writes, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We believe in his name because his name represents who he is and what he does. And Jesus makes many wonderful promises to believers, to those who are his regarding his name, especially in regard to prayer. In that day, he says, you'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. The name of Jesus shouldn't be considered like a, a magic word that you tack on to your prayers, so it'll be answered. When we use the name of Jesus, we should use it with great reverence, understanding that his name represents who he is. Yeshua, Yahweh, the Lord who is salvation. And when we come to the Father through the Son, Jesus, we're acknowledging that Jesus has paid for our sins. And we stand before God the Father, not in our own righteousness, but in the righteous standing of the Son of God who has atoned for our sins and brought us into his own presence, who has redeemed us by his blood. It's interesting how Jesus, in his great prayer in John chapter 17, says these words when he's praying to the Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. What does that mean? What does Jesus mean when he says to the Father, I've manifested your name to the disciples, the people you gave me. I think he's saying that I showed them who you are and what you're like. Jesus said to his disciple Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Jesus reveals him. I made known to them your name. And I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. The name of the Lord. Think about how we use God's name in the church. You've probably seen us a number of times, uh, if you've been in our church any length of time, baptize people. And we baptize is the way Jesus said to, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus showed us the importance of the Trinity, the triune God. Sometimes I'll use a blessing at the end of the service that expresses God the Trinity. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. May the work of the Trinity be in your life, in other words. The name of the Lord is behind biblical blessing. Furthermore, benedictions in Scripture reveal God's will for His people. Now let's look again at this classic benediction in Numbers chapter 6. First of all, they reveal this one in particular, number 6, His care. The Lord bless you and keep you. Now keep something in mind. God gave these words to Moses to give to Aaron to speak over the Israelites, people of Israel. In Numbers chapter 6, God knew they were about to face many difficulties. They were journeying through the wilderness. They'd face all kinds of challenges. They'd stumble. They'd grumble. They'd complain. Ultimately, they'd be possessing the promised land against many enemies. And God wants to bless them as they set out. The Lord bless you and keep you. God reveals himself in Scripture as the one who keeps his people in his care. Psalm 121 says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Sometimes, uh, I hope it's more than just a little habit, but at our house, if my wife's heading out somewhere, our daughter and her kids are there, I'll say, just say as they go, the Lord keep you safe. The Lord keep you in his care. Uh, it may not seem very significant, but it's just a way of speaking God's name. So we do it with reverence over his people. His care. Secondly, his favor and grace. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord's shining face has to do with his smile. His favor toward his people. His undeserved favor, his grace. Psalm 67 is a psalm that I, I love. It's, it's a psalm that I, uh, I like to think is true for our church. It will be increasingly true. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. In other words, Lord, in your grace, let your face shine upon us. Bless us. Show us your favor. And the result of this will be that many nations will know your name. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. It's a, it's a missions song. God bless us so that his blessing goes through us to bless other people. Let your face shine upon us. And then thirdly, not only his favor and grace, but also his peace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Saying essentially what the previous verse does, God smile upon you. May his shining face be upon you. May God keep his eyes upon you. May God look upon you. May God watch over you. Lift his gracious countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now the word peace is highly significant, especially in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. And it means a great deal more than we typically have in mind when we use the word peace. 
The Hebrew word for shalom is a word that is rich in meaning. It carries the ideas of uh, wholeness, completeness, well-being, health, provision, security, unity. And it's a, a frequent benediction in Scripture. The shalom of God, the peace of God be with you. And so this is what God is giving to Moses, to give to Aaron, to speak over his people, to put his name upon his people. May these things be with you. Now, we're living in the time of the New Testament. Blessing is spoken throughout the Old Testament, but blessing's also uh, rich in the New Testament. And it's revealed to us in Scripture that God's blessings come to believers through Jesus Christ. When you read the letters of the New Testament, you'll often find that in the first one or two verses, often in Paul's letters it's verse 2, sometimes verse 3, something like this, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Often at the end of a letter of the New Testament, he'll say it again, grace and peace to you, or the grace of the Lord be with your spirit, something like that. Spoken words of blessing. Remember, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. They convey what God wants to do in our lives. One of the extensive uh, statements of God's blessing in the New Testament for those who have accepted Jesus is, is this passage in Ephesians chapter 1. It's rich in meaning. And you know, the teaching of the gospel in the New Testament is not do more for God, do more for God, do more for God, and he'll accept you. It is God has made you accepted in Jesus. Now, as a response of love and gratitude, go out and serve and love and obey him. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Have you embraced Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Have you truly acknowledged your sin and by faith accepted what he's done for you on the cross? And this is true of you. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, even as he chose us in him. And notice the references throughout this to Christ, in Christ, in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us, in the beloved. God's done this for you as a follower of Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace <clears throat> with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Let me simply say this to you before we move forward. If you are in Christ, 
You've accepted Jesus if you are in Christ. Begin to believe what God says about you is true. Embrace your identity as an in Christ believer. The gospel is not, if I do well enough, God will bless me. But rather, in Christ, God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Jesus has done this for me entirely by his grace. And now as a response, I'm going to live for his glory and for his honor. Biblical benedictions show us what God has done for us and wants to do in our lives. But biblical benedictions also provide a way for us to pray for and bless others. <clears throat> Ever since the Protestant Reformation, uh, 1500s, 1600s, it's been traditional for worship services to end with a, a spoken benediction. We usually end our services here in that same pattern, blessing, benediction. But um, Old Testament professor Robert Vassholtz in his book, Benediction, says that <clears throat> these early leaders of the Reformation understood that benedictions were much more than a, just a, a way of parting. They were a way of praying. They were prayers of intercession for God's people. And benedictions in Scripture <clears throat> give us a way to pray for other people, a way to bless other people. Now, I realize you may be thinking, okay, at the end of a service, the person who speaks of benedictions, usually somebody who's ordained, usually a, a, a pastor, and after all, that, that classic benediction we're studying, God gave that to Moses to give to the, the priests. So aren't these things supposed to be spoken by priests or ordained people, ordained ministers? Here's the beautiful revelation of the teaching of the New Testament. <clears throat> if you have embraced Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're a priest in God's eyes. Doesn't mean you're an ordained pastor of a church, but you have a priestly role before God. Here's what Peter writes to all who are believers. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <clears throat> In Christ, every believer has direct access to God. One of the great teachings of the Protestant Reformation was the priesthood of the believer. That is, you don't have to go through a human priest now. Uh, to, to mediate your relationship with God through Jesus, you go directly to the Father through God the Son. Jesus is our great high priest. The book of Revelation chapter 1 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. So here's the point. If you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus, you represent people before God. You're called to pray through Jesus, your great high priest, for certain people. And each of us, I think, has certain special areas of responsibility in life where God calls us to be intercessors 
and to fulfill priestly roles by praying for others, representing them in prayer before God. That's true if you're married. If you're a Christian who's married, you have a, a special responsibility to pray for your spouse, to pray for your marriage. If you are a parent or a grandparent, you have a special responsibility to represent your children before God, and that includes not only praying for them, but actually blessing them with biblical blessing. I grew up in a home with, with two wonderful Christian parents, my mom and dad, um, great godly examples. And I remember uh, us praying at mealtimes and saying a prayer at bedtimes and in, in the Christmas Advent season, even doing a, a little Advent wreath with a little devotional. I remember those things. I don't ever remember my parents specifically blessing me, speaking a, a blessing or, or praying a blessing or, or laying their hands on me like that. My only recollection from childhood is, is that of my grandfather when he was dying. Uh, he was 83 and I was probably 11 years old, 10. And I knew he was a very, very godly man. My grandmother told me he'd read through the Bible over a hundred times. He was involved in prison ministry in Gideon. And he just always struck me as a fairly serious person because he always wore a suit. Never saw him. We didn't have a suit on with a tie. But I, I remember when he was dying, my parents took me to see him and he was on a little cot in their, their living room and he was about to die and he took my head and he placed it on his chest and he said some words and, and prayed. I, I wish I remembered what they were. I don't. I only remember the word love and the, the word God, maybe love of God. But I think he was blessing me or at least praying for me. And interestingly, that's one of the beautiful memories of my childhood, though I remember very little about it. The point is this, parents, grandparents, God gives you the privilege of praying for and blessing your children. It's highly significant to do that. Now, if, you're, if you don't have children, I think you can pray for and bless your spouse, your, your, your small group, using these biblical benedictions, frankly, yourself. God, help me to embrace every spiritual blessing in Christ that you've provided for me. But as we reflect on this, I want to raise two questions by way of personal application. The first is this. How can the benedictions of Scripture shape my understanding of God's will for my life? What did God want the Israelites to know when God told Moses to tell Aaron to speak over the Israelites, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. What did he want them to understand about who he was, about what he wanted to do in their lives? What can all of the benedictions and prayers of Scripture reveal to you about what God wants to do in your life, about his will for your life. Secondly, how will I use the benedictions of Scripture to pray for and bless others? In just 
a few minutes, we're going to put this into practice. We're going to actually sing the benediction of Numbers chapter 6 over our high school graduates as their slides appear on the screen. And as they graduate and prepare for the next step in life, whether it's high school or college, we're going to, as the church of Jesus Christ, pray these words of benediction and blessing over them. But before we do that, I want to give you a couple examples of, of how you in your own household might use the benedictions of Scripture. Let's say, for example, that you are um, your parents and you've got a, you got a daughter. And uh, this summer she's going off to summer camp. Maybe she's going with, with our youth to the, uh, the trip down at the beach for the first time. And you're really nervous about sending off your, your little girl like that for a trip. And you want to pray a blessing prayer for her. I want to give you an example that you'll see on the screen, the first of these, how you might do this, how you might take the, the words of Scripture and form them into a prayer. Let's say your daughter is 12, 13 years old, and she's going to go on this trip, and mom and dad, you gather around her, maybe with brother or sister there, you place your hands on her shoulder, and you pray words like this. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and thank you for our wonderful daughter who is such a joy to us. Please bless and keep her safe as she travels this week. May your grace and peace be with her each day. Please remind her that she has been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Him. Thank you, Father, that you have blessed her in the Beloved, our Savior Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to her. This is very simple to do. Now, these... Those words in that prayer just come out of three different blessing passages. Numbers chapter 6, the first phrase, please bless her and keep her safe. Let grace and peace be with her. Ephesians chapter 1, reminder, she's been chosen in Christ for the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Father, you bless her in the beloved. And then the last sentence is just a, a greeting a benediction from Jude verse 2. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And you take these inspired words of God and form them into a blessing prayer for your own child. Let's take another example. Let's say in a moment when these pictures come up on the screens of our high school graduates, you have a son who is leaving for college. And for some of you, that is going to be a very, very tearful day. For others, it's going to be shouts of joy and rejoicing <laughs> and party time in your house. Well, regardless, you want to pray for that young man before you send him out. Don't wait till you're at school and all of his new friends are around and have him kneel and place hands on your head. Do this in the privacy of your home or your car so you don't embarrass him too much. But it is highly significant. Here's an example. Lord, 
you gather around, you place your hands on his shoulder perhaps, and we commit to our son as he leaves for college. Thank you for the great joy he is to us. Please bless him and keep him and give him your favor and peace as he goes. May he continually grow to love you with all his heart, mind, strength, and soul. And may you, the God of peace, equip him with everything good that he may do your will, working in him what is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Where do these words come from? Numbers chapter 6, again, bless him and keep him, give him your favor and peace. May he love you, if you'll put those back up for a moment, with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. That comes from Matthew chapter 22. That's the great commandment, to love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. And then the final sentence comes right from the benediction at the end of Hebrews 13. You may have heard us use that at the end of a service here. The God of peace who through, blood of the, through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight. Reveals what God wants to do in your life. Using the inspired words of scripture, it's a prayer for God to do that very thing in the life of that young man who's going off to college. The benedictions of Scripture teach us what God wants to do in us and in the lives of others, and they give us a guide for actually praying for and blessing others. Let's pray right now. Father, we come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make us a people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray for and bless others in the authority of your inspired word. Father, I pray that you would work in the heart of each person watching our service here in our sanctuary to bring each one to a deeper devotion to you in light of the blessing that you have given us in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who secured for us by the shedding of his blood forgiveness of sins, who provided to us righteousness and eternal life through his resurrection from the dead. May we embrace the fullness of the benefits with which we've been blessed in the beloved Jesus. And may we take the blessing of the gospel to the world around us. And we pray in your great, great name. Amen.